1: It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. Hello, dear listener, Neil here. A very warm welcome to Nick and Neil's History Show and our Millwall Summer Specials. The aim of Nick and myself is to build a library of 20, 25-minute shows you can dip in and out of in the car in the gym or on the train, anywhere you like really. This is proper history, lots of unbelievable stories that we should know but don't. So here we are rescuing these stories from obscurity and breathing new life into them. Nick and I feel that as a club we don't make the most of our rich history and it's a subject that is often ignored. And we hope this series will bring to life some of the events and characters of our past. It's been a real pleasure to research this series and I hope you enjoy listening to them as much as we have enjoyed making them. Enjoy. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. So we're
0: talking Neil about the wartime cup final run 1944 to 1945 um a dramatic time in our national history and equally from a Millwall perspective a dramatic period in our own club history very very odd period in some respects wasn't it
1: it was uh it wasn't a particularly successful season I know we reached a cup final and that but Our league form was absolutely appalling. I think we were bottom of the Football League Southern section for quite a lot of it. We'd only had like one win and we'd only taken nine points from 22 games. And then uh, the board of directors actually made an inspired decision. They actually moved Bill Voisey aside in, I think, early November. He'd, he'd go on to become our chief talent spotter, but they bought in Jack Cock, who yeah. absolutely had played for Millwall, England, Chelsea, Plymouth, uh, the list could go on. He was really the first celebrity footballer, if you like, in, uh, in the immediate post-First War period. And we've um, covered him
0: previously, haven't we? I mean, we we did a show about Jack Cock, um, star of stage and screen, I think, as well in his time, as well as being as a football career. Quite a quite a remarkable character, and yeah, as you say, a cele- celebrity name to come in when we needed it. Really, looking at the yeah, yeah war,
1: yeah, war hero as well. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that he, he was actually running a pub in New Cross at the time.
0: Yeah, the Rose, mm. I believe. Um, war hero, yeah. as as was voicey, yeah. listeners, incidentally. Um, you know, the, this, this was the nature of the time. I suppose we should just explain to listeners that the Football League, football did continue during the war. Um, increasingly, um, as, it, as it wore on it, it I, I think it's probably fair to say initially it was fairly limited, now, wasn't it? But then it expanded towards the, the late stages of the conflict to this a season here where we would make a a wartime cup final, but the league was divided into northern and southern sections to minimise travelling back then.
1: The yeah, weren't it, going too far. yeah, but it was even more limited than that. I th- you couldn't go much further than I think it was a f- They were trying to limit it to something like a fifty-mile radius, even yeah, 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 well, even actually less than that. So, with all of the clubs in the south, they were trying to clump clubs together. I know that. I yeah, I know. In this cup competition, we went to Brighton, and in the league, we went to Oldershot. Yeah, first game of the season was away at Oldershot. but we weren't. I just had a look then to if you look in the back of Richard Lindsay's book, the sheer number of players that we used that season was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, We use something like 30, 40, maybe even 50 players. The list is endless in there. Uh, Bill Voisey had a great thing where I think we'll come on to it in a minute. We're going to talk about guests, but Bill Voisey didn't want to over-rely on guest players. His Mm. idea was he would rather use good young players that would serve Millwall in the future, which isn't an awful lot of good (laughs) when you're up (laughs) and Yeah, when you're up against seasoned internationals, uh, we're going to talk about some games here and uh, some yeah. that turned out against Millwall. But I think that Jack Cock came in and he changed the philosophy somewhat. He started to introduce more guest players, more experienced players. And I think that's what told during this cup run.
0: Just to explain to listeners, the guest system, I suppose it's not a million miles, Neil, from the modern day loan system. And the same debate strikes me, you know, some things are eternal, aren't they? That kind of debate between bringing in uh, loan players or whichever way you want to call them or guest players in wartime as against trying to develop your own talent and plan for the future. This is an eternal Millwall dilemma, but the guest system rested on... The whole country was committed to the war, so so footballers were often servicemen and moved around the country as as operation uh, requirements needed. So you could well find yourself, as we all come to see, with some fairly big-name and star players in the London area because they're in a unit that was, you know, in in the area or training or or transferring or whatever the the case may be. It was was very much uh, a wartime... um, Make doing men the type of, of of approach to football, in some ways.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And 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 don't forget, you also had players on war work. The walk they were working in factories. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 not only were they maybe in the services, an awful lot of Millwall's team uh, served in the volunteer police, the police reserve, and
0: okay, yeah,
1: things like that. And I guess that. Uh, playing for Millwall on a Saturday afternoon to some people, to some commanding officers and, <laughs> and police officers, it probably wasn't an awful. It probably wasn't awfully high up on their list of priorities. A
0: priority, no, no. So,
1: no, no. You, so, I think the recurring theme, certainly through uh, towards the end, near the cup final, was you could name a team on them on a on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and you'd have to change it 24 hours later <laughs> because, because you suddenly find out that a player wasn't available. And, uh, there's this limited pool of players. I think we'll come on to talking about Len Golden, yeah. who, played, who played against Millwall in the cup final, but Millwall actually also wanted him. Right. But so did Sport and Integrity FC that we played in the final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and whatham left it to him to make the choice right. and ultimately he chose to play for chelsea so it's a it's a weird weird situation and and yeah but he was only available for 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 Sports and integrity fc because he actually missed the bus to play in the semi final <laughs> well, it's it's a different time, it? Against Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. the, almost up until kickoff, there were stories of of players not getting there in time. So, teams started with nine, ten men, eight men in some cases. And, and the players cool. trotted out, and then the players trotted out almost like Sunday morning football. Well, you get here when you get here, we'll put you on. I
0: mean, this is we're talking about the nineteen forty-four to forty-five season. Listeners, the war itself would come to a conclusion in in um, late April, early May, with the uh, the surrender of Germany. So these 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 months that we're talking about in Iran, from a football perspective, of course, but they're set in a very dramatic period of of world history because the conflicts in Europe, for certain, was was coming towards the the final days. Um, there must have been a tremendous sense of tension mixed with relief, impending relief, I suppose, because it wasn't over and done with. And until the, uh, the, the the conflict was concluded, then men were still fighting and dying. So we're talking about from the period that we're covering here, listeners, really relates to the run up to the, the wartime cup final, February, March. And I believe it the game was played in April. So the final concluding moments of the biggest conflict the world has ever seen. Um, and in the midst of that, football was seen as as a, as a kind of a, an escapism, Neil. I suppose a form of entertainment for people that have had it hard for for up, up to six years.
1: Yeah, I think you could almost draw some correlation with the pandemic in some yep. respects. <laughs> that cancelled everything, didn't it, and changed everybody's life and and very much Millwall for us certainly was a relief. in the Absolutely.
0: Aspect. Wasn't
1: it? So so you can actually draw some some parallels between then and now, very much so. Well we well we weren't out of the woods in both respects, so to speak, and but I think we turned the corner, have not we? And uh and the end was in sight, especially towards towards February forty five. February you
0: had the, the Soviets approaching from the east and the Allies from the West and the days of the war look numbered but um they were until closing it's done Rome,
1: yeah but it was yeah, yeah it was like hitler's last stand wasn't it in berlin and
0: yeah i, I think also um you know you until until the until the, the war was concluded no one really knew what might lay around the next lie around the next corner um there was all sorts of um you had what they called super weapons you had v2 strikes going on which I and mean, this is all all these games were been played in the context of rocket attacks, modern warfare was 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 dawning. Um, so very, you know, it always seems a bit weird, Neil, to to talk about football in in these times because you have to contrast it with the very, um, you know, some massive massive world events going on on the continent and and in this country. But football is our medium that we talk about, listeners. So we're going to look at a few of these games that led up to up to Mill's. Prior to the 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 also windscreen cup final, our only appearance at Wembley wasn't it that walk up appearance in nineteen
1: forty five. Yes, it was, and we weren't able to take as many fans. I think I think both us and i have stop calling them Sport and integrity FC. I think <laughs> yeah, I think I've made the point of uh, Chelsea <laughs> yeah, Chelsea. I think we were both granted eight hundred tickets or sixteen hundred tickets, something like that. Certainly, right. some right. seat and some stand in but the rest were were actually made available for the public so but we started off that run with a 3-1 win at Fulham and uh, yeah Jimmy Jinx a famous
0: mill named Jimmy Jinx um who I, I i read one of the reports for, for I didn't go too deeply into some of these games listeners because we're trying to bring these in under 25 minutes nil we've, we've reduced waffle from me um but these <laughs> Referred to as Jimmy Jinks, one of the defenders of Malta. Um, and you, <clears throat> one of the things that strikes me with all of these players and reports of, of all clubs is how just in passing, you know, Jimmy Jinks, Mill hero, big name, was in the siege of Malta. <laughs> no no easy place to find yourself. Um, bombarded by the Luftwaffe in, on the island of Malta in the Mediterranean. But he scored a hat-trick in this, this win, 3-1 win at Fulham on February the 3rd. Followed up swiftly, I see, nil by another win at home, this time over Brent for the 3-2 win over the Bees.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think a couple of guests scored in that, Russell Phillips and George Ludford. But First there was something th- There yeah. was something that struck me, was a report from the Middlesex Chronicle on the Millwall crowd in This is why I like this show, listeners, reports from the Middlesex Chronicle. We don't <laughs> really want to go off on a tangent. but no. I- <laughs> Well, I think, I think this sums up Millwall. A large section evidently at football, or sorry, looks at football from a corresponding angle. Fouls by the home players were often overlooked or even cheered. But if <laughs> Millwallite fell or stumbled after coming into contact with a bee, nine thousand five hundred and fifty-three spectators seem to have four throats apiece. <laughs> Except for the firmest officiating, refereeing under such circumstances tends towards crowd appeasement. Uh, I'd snatch a bone away from a bulldog than award a penalty kick against a home side at the den. Nothing that changes. Ones... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we don't get decent referees these days. But the whinging... <laughs> Yeah, we can see this guy had probably gone home. Uh <laughs> had probably had probably stewed upon this for a couple of days and was probably <laughs> incredulous. Yeah, but let's face it, the Millwall crowd back then, it wouldn't be day trippers and no, t- no, it would have
0: been hardcore dockers and their men on on the home from the army and the like. Great saying about everything changes yet nothing changes. And I think that goes for Millwall more than any other club in the country. So you know, even even the Millwall fouls were cheered. I mean, we, we all know that moment, don't we? When <laughs> people get cheered off after chinning someone on the field or some such. Um but that that good run, Neil. Um, you know, we're praising Jack Cock for, for putting a good run together. Comes to a bit of a juddering halt the week after at Brighton, a 6-2 loss.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a guy called a guy called Cyril Hodges, an Arsenal guest player, scored right. four goals. Uh, I think there was a the opening day defeat that we suffered against Aldershot. A guy called George Antonio from Stoke scored five of the six in the six three. Right. He, wins, uh, but even more amazingly was we actually had Tommy Lawton playing for us that day, he was probably, he was the First Division's leading goal scorer in 38-39 was yeah. on leave from the Army in the Brighton area, I think he was probably based in Oldershot or somewhere like that, was on leave and uh, Jack Cock persuaded him to play but he made absolutely no difference whatsoever. I'm not even Story sure. He got life, yeah. a kick. I'm not sure he got much, <laughs> yeah, much more of a kick. Yeah, but this guy's the Harry Kane of the day. He was Every- my
0: grandfather's favourite player. Tommy Lawton always oh, yeah, he was good, Lawton. You know, he was the player.
1: <laughs> Except um, when he pulled on the mill shirt.
0: Turned <laughs> us something new. So was six-two being a six two thumping at that would have been the goldstone ground back then 1945 um followed up by well thanks we're back on winning ways the week after a 1-0 win over over fulham see. Uh, i see yeah. i've never heard of i've never heard of die ridley who scored in that game nil no, don't know him at all
1: yeah he 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 was a welshman from south <laughs> wales uh oh. I, I think I think he was probably more famous as a non-league player. I think he might have played for Brighton actually at one stage, but oh, okay. uh, probably actually better known for playing for Bedford. But that's the beauty of these games—you do not know what, you, who you're looking at. I was looking at a guest player called O'Connell earlier on. Eventually, I found him. He was a little-known left winger served in the police with with uh, Lenny Tyler. Right. So right. obviously, that's how he got a game. But then we come on to a. Uh, Brentford the return game. Yep. Uh, we borrow a goalkeeper called Ernie Gregory, very famous former West Ham player. Did I didn't
0: say I've heard of Ernie Gregory, yeah.
1: And he has an absolute fucking nightmare. He lets say, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> yeah, he give Brentford two goals, but we but but thank God for Jimmy jinx. We are uh, he scored two goals. Pulled so. us back into it. These these things never
0: change, do they? Um West Ham goalkeepers having nightmares in Mill goals and giving away leads, but there we are. <laughs> um so we go into March. Um Brighton a one-nil win um for Mill on the tenth of March. Uh, a, a guest from Hart and and I see in your notes here, Neil, from uh, Tom Stevenson.
1: Yeah, that's right. was based in the West Country. Uh, Somehow found his way to South East London. God knows how they found these players. I think sometimes players offered their services. Yeah, might be in the London area on a course or so. Whatever, yeah.
0: They're passing through for some reason. Um... Yeah,
1: you didn't have agents touting players around back then. it's, It's quite remarkable when you look at it how... How these players actually came to play for us. And this is another case, a player who went up and just had a career in Scottish football after the war, played for the likes of Alloa, I think, and right. an outpost like that, Bon Shots, Bon Accord Shots. Well, and, okay, so, right. right. Well, go yeah.
0: deep and obscure Scottish football there. Um Tom Stevenson, so he scored for, for the Lions in a one-nil win. Over Brighton. Before we come to the start of the big time, now we're talking about the semi final of the. Uh, this was the Football League South Cup, Neil. I, I think that there's a. I, I've called it the wartime cup, but it's it's actually a true name is the Football League uh, South Cup, I believe, for the competition.
1: Yeah, what happened was, it, yeah, it was basically it was the FA Cup of the day, but to cut down on the travelling, yeah, they split it into North and South so we were in the southern section there was a northern section i think bolton ended up playing chelsea in the final uh that season right and uh, and yeah that's yeah but that's how this came about we're in the southern section it's yeah well, it is the wartime cup the wartime fa cup basically. effectively yeah. played
0: at stamford bridge which was um big ground. I miss mean, this was the old Stanford bridge, Neil with the, the kind of oval shape. Um, I think it's a greyhound track, um, around the football, uh, field of play. But it was, it was a big stadium for the, for the times we played Arsenal there. And I see that we have a famous Charlton name in goal for us. Sam Bartram.
1: Yeah, we did. Arguably it was a, yeah, it was the highlight of his career. <laughs> yeah, <but thanks. laughs> All those
0: games for Charlton weren't, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Our goalkeeper um, dropping out, as you said. I mean, you, as you've alluded to. I mean, uh, 24 hours' notice. Um, Gregory, Ernie Gregory, not available. We've had to find um, another goalkeeper. So uh, up comes Sam Bartram. Uh, yeah, and does well for us.
1: Yeah, well, it couldn't be a better. Yeah, but it couldn't be a better game for him. Could it become? in? he saves a Stan Morton some penalty. Yeah. Mortensen of obviously of the Matthews Mortensen, Cup final was another yep. player least in the south. Played a lot for Arsenal. Played for quite a few teams back then, and he yeah, you know, he missed a penalty. Then the referee must have been a he must have been an Arsenal fan. He gave him another penalty in the second half. <laughs> handball against Ted Smith and England international. Yeah. Uh, but they blasted it over the bar. Wild excitement.
0: 50,000 wild excitement. And there's a great quote that you've got here from Jack Cock, Mill manager, in the aftermath of this one nil win that took us to Wembley, which must have been, you know, this would be the first ever time that the club had made um, that level of football um, ever, really. I know we were a big club pre-First World War, but um, know, this reached- would have been
1: a massive moment. Two or three cup semi-finals, didn't we? FA Cup semi-finals. Yeah,
0: played at um, Derby and far flung Sheffield and places like that, weren't they? Yeah. But this was the this was the proper the proper thing played at Wembley. Um there's a great quote from Jack Cock which I'll read if I may know. It says, I'm I'm overwhelmed. I thought we had a chance, but to beat Arsenal, I can hardly believe it's true. We owe a great debt to Bartram, but all of our men played grandly, said Jack Cock. Um you kind of get a sense of the emotion of the moment in that in that quote. Actually, I think it comes over.
1: Yeah, definitely. And this wasn't a Mickey Mouse Arsenal team. It contained Cliff Bastin, the boy yeah. Bast, an all star attack. Obviously, Mortensen, Ted Drake. Yeah, yeah, a
0: big name. Yeah,
1: ten goal and Morris Eddleston, who was a big name amateur international.
0: A massive, Absolutely. massive win for 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 little old Millwall. I mean, you know, let's let's uh, not forget the struggles that the club had to survive the the wartime period because it was not easy being right in the middle of the docks, where your ground, as we know, took a pounding for you know um, massive explosion in the in the clock uh, corner at the bend. So, this was a major, major achievement for for our club sadly the final which was played on the 7th of april 1945 and also had just a few weeks short of the final acts of the second world war was not a great wasn't was was something of a disappointment from the uh the mill perspective a 2 nil loss and a poor game by all accounts
1: yeah what is it about us on finals the other of <laughs> the Shield was a major disappointment and the final. you
0: get so few of them that's why i think uh, <laughs> Ninety thousand in the old stadium. Wonderful, wonderful um, event. And this would have been pre the. This would have just had roofs along the sides. I think that both of the ends were these great curved open terraces. Back then, um, in attendance were the royalty: George VI, King George VI, Queen, and Princess Elizabeth, wearing her ATS uniform, which is like her um, like a cadet force, wasn't it? From from the uh, youth kind of wartime force and Princess Margaret attending her first game. So the future Queen was in attendance at uh, at, at this at this game. Um,
1: yeah, you can probably tell why Princess Margaret turned to drink, can't you, so much, towards <laughs> the end of her life?
0: After <laughs> watching, uh, by all accounts, a very, very poor game. I think there's, uh, there's a famous quote about the first half. Charles Buckham. I'm just reading down. Charles Buckham Neil, from your notes, uh, he said it called the first half on the worst halves of football he's, he'd ever seen. Now, that, that, given that he was a major journalist, he would have seen some some poor football. That's quite a statement,
1: isn't it? Yeah, he probably took part in some poor games as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you can just see that the yeah we spoke about the guest system, and really Millwall didn't know what most or what some of the team was going to be right up until. Virtually forty-eight hours before kickoff, but but there are lots of great stories about this. How uh, how five thousand service men and women were guests to the FA for this game. They were all given invitation cards. Yeah, uh, that had to be exchanged at the turnstiles, and it said on them, "You must be in uniform." And there were, yeah, well, obviously there were uniform and plain clothes police carrying out petrol checks petrol because checks with particular attention that you uh, that you weren't allowed within a 10 mile limit there was a 10 mile limit i think of right. central london for hackney carriages so you couldn't actually so you couldn't actually <laughs> jump in a cab and go to Wembley. because, <laughs> because petrol was in such short supply back absolutely
0: then. it was and it will continue to be so post post-war as well so yeah this boots
1: so the other thing that was uh, that was mentioned was uh, supplies of food were limited, so supporters were advised to bring their <laughs> own refreshments.
0: Bring your own sandwiches wrapped up in brown paper. Uh, <laughs> different times, different times, weren't they? Um, I see that we we wore white. In, in, we wore England shirts. Is that? I, I didn't know that, Neil. That's a that's a fact I'd not come across before in the final, the color clash. Yeah,
1: yeah because. Because 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 both teams wore blue, I think yeah. they decided the fairest way would be to make us wear white and Chelsea wear red. And uh, so of yeah, obviously white shirts, football shirts were were very difficult to get hold of. Clos- there are stories of of clubs making appeals for people to give them clothing coupons yeah yeah to to kick their side out yeah yeah so we actually got (laughs) it's probably actually one of the only favors the fa's ever done as in the history of the club (laughs) was they borrowed
0: england shirts to play in the final that's a fascinating and chelsea wore red so there's no clash. I suppose that's the England away away um, shirts they borrowed there. I guess the um, I mean one thing that always strikes me at the end of the, when the first um, I've seen pictures of the first Millwall post-war side, and just on the clothing point, um, I mean the, the players are wearing different styles of shirt, basically blue, but some have got white sleeves, some of the old pre-war blue kind of rugby almost looking shirts. And it gives you a sense of the hard times because it really was kit scraped together as best they could, Neil, um, in the aftermath of the conflict.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, but the rules of the competition—they didn't have any rules as such uh, in the pre- <laughs> Yeah, but in the semi-final, they had to. We had to play to a finish, and to
0: right. uh, so no replays. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There were no replays. Obviously, they didn't want. Yeah, they didn't want replays because it was bad enough getting players released for games on a Saturday. And and, and during the war, they played rep games during the week and things like that. But, they, but the clubs didn't play. So they actually decided that that there would be extra time, Yeah, because the rules didn't stipulate extra yep.
0: time. Yep.
1: Just play to a finish. But, uh, but it was either the first goal or the first corner kick so, so if you've got okay. minute, uh, <laughs> you, you, you,
0: won. you won the cup, <laughs> get it all over and done with.
1: Oh, dear, media these days it would actually have gone into meltdown, wouldn't it? Absolutely.
0: Um, but it, came final,
1: but it wasn't a good final for Millwall. It, we
0: well, we came into it the underdogs, and I think we, we matched up with the bookmakers' expectations. Um Chelsea seven to four favourites. I see a two to one against. I don't think we surprised anyone. Uh, goals in the forty seventh minute from John MacDonald, a shot from twenty yards, to one 0 for Chelsea, and then just a couple of minutes later, Joe Payne shot diverted by Ted Smith um, for two 0 and that was that was game largely. Oh uh, we did um, we did hit the is that uh, Rawlings hit the bar? Was that our was he? Um, yes, Sid
1: Rawlings. But uh, so, apparently we lack cohesion and attack. There was actually a line I like from the, from the Weekly Dispatch uh, that said that Staler Brown worked like a slave. Yeah, there's
0: different times of journalism, Neil. You wouldn't use that line anymore, mate. Don't use that in your rugby account next time you go to
1: press. Oh, mate, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish I could get away with it, honestly. <laughs> At the end of your career, mate. Yeah. And I think it was no that Chelsea were moderate, Millwall was poor or worse. Yeah, poor. so don't
0: sound don't sound like a a great uh, great game. Let's read through the Millwall team that day. Neil, Sam Bartram in goal, the, the Charlton player. Uh, some famous names come out: Reg Dudley and George Fisher, one of the Fisher brothers for Millwall. Um, George Ludford, that's the that's the player that scored against us, I think, early on in the in the, one of the games that we played.
1: for no, was playing.
0: Four he
1: scored four us earlier on for us
0: uh, ted smith len tyler sid rawlings sailor brown from charlton jimmy Jinks, tom brown and stan williams of aberdeen so a mixed um a mixed group of players there
1: really um yeah, the chelsea side actually contained eight guests including danny winter ian black who was a scottish goalkeeper george hardwick uh England and Middlesbrough after the war, then Golden, as we said, Les Smith and Brentford. He played, I think he played for England as well. So it's just we're up against it. And I think our safety first policy, which we seem to adopt (laughs) in all cup finals. Are you
0: listening, Gary Rowett? He'd
1: be proud, wouldn't he, of this?
0: Oh dear, there we are. Um, a great club event. It remained, despite the disappointment of the game and the result, it remains... Uh, the pictures are iconic of uh, the mule team meeting Georgia Sixth and and uh, just the mere fact that we were there, I think, is um, it's one of the landmark moments in our club's history. Hence its inclusion in this edition of Neil and Nick's History Shorts. I don't know what we're even going to call these shows at the moment, now, but I, if it's not called that, we'll call it... I'll edit something else in there. Um, So there we are, the Mill 1945 World Cup final.
1: It's Nick O'Neill's Summer Millwall History Show.